Hello, everybody, and welcome to Podcast of the Planet of the Apes. Today's episode is... Episode 3, Escape from the Planet of the Apes. Hi, everybody. I'm Andrew. And I'm Joe. And welcome to podcast of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, today we are going over what I may possibly think is the best movie since the original, which is Escape from Planet of the Apes. I think Joe will agree with that. Yeah, uh, so far, yeah. Out of uh, out of watching those, yeah, so far, yes. Before we go into that movie today, we do have a couple things we'd like to discuss. Some format changes here at the podcast. We will be going bi-weekly or bi-monthly. Uh, the English language is terrible and both mean the same thing if you look at it. Bi-weekly, which means every other week is when we'll be posting new episodes. That's every other Thursday is when new episodes will be posted starting this Thursday. Second note we do want to go over, guys, is that if you may have noticed that we were a clean podcast for the first two episodes, we had some wonderful guests on this past week. And honestly, it would take way too much time to edit out all the all the swear words that we did. So we are going to go fully explicit from here on out. Fuck yeah. Yeah. So with that, guys, uh, please enjoy episode three, Escape from the Planet of the Apes, with our wonderful guests, Beth and Brandon. All right, everybody. Uh, welcome, please, uh, Brandon and Beth from I Think You'd Be Into It podcast. How you guys doing today? You're the first person I've kissed. What? No. Oh, wait, no. No, I'm sorry. You're the second human I've kissed. Yeah, the joke doesn't really work as well when your wife is on the show with you. Yeah, well, you were the first human I kissed. Andrew was the That's second human I've kissed. That's also not true. Man, we're just jumping right in. We are just jumping right in there. I don't, I mean, I don't know what else you expected when you invited him on this show. He expected the second human he's kissed. Well, I didn't say you weren't the second human he kissed. I said he wasn't the second human you've kissed. We're all the second human any of us have kissed. I mean, that's true. That's true. Accurate statements. College was a weird time. Right. Mm -hmm. Also, uh, everybody is somebody's second. Ooh. Oh. Unless they're their first, but then they're, they could still technically also be their second. Which is the full quote from Winston Churchill, right? Yes. So everybody on our show today is uh, Brandon Beth. I don't know if you want to introduce yourselves and kind of go over what, what you guys are up to, what you're doing in the world. Well, the vibe we've been laying down is pretty much it. That's the mood. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> and we're not doing anything because we have no jobs anymore. Yeah. But in case you were curious, yeah, we're the, we're the co-hosts and co-spouses of I Think You'd Be Into It, the podcast about your faves, or actually the episode we recorded with Andrew just popped off last week uh, about Animal Crossing. So if you want... Uh, Which won't be last week when this goes up, I don't think, but it's up. Yeah, it's up. But yeah, it it was a great show. It was great to be on. You guys rock. I, I loved it. Uh, I like listening to you guys. I have to say yours, it was my favorite episode art I made this season. Oh, nice. Oh, <laughs> uh, delighted me. I haven't listened to the the critic episode yet, but I'm really excited. Yeah, that was that. really good. I mean, honestly, all you need to do to get the point of that episode is just repeat "All hail Duke, Duke is life" for like an hour and a half, and then you know you got it. Perfect. <laughs> uh, we are discussing the third film of the original Planet of the Apes franchise today, which is maybe my personal favorite outside of the original Escape from Planet of the Apes. Um, when I told Joe about this. I was like, you know who we should have? Brandon and Beth, because this seems like the most Brandon Planet of the Apes movie ever. I'm going to go ahead and stop you right there. It was. 100% was the most Brandon-ass shit. Um, so here's a, a thing of note, which uh, nobody nobody um, who listens to this would, would know this, but uh, a well-known fact about me is that I've seen fucking nothing. So uh, this was the very first Planet of the Apes anything I've seen. Perfect. I haven't seen the, the original. I haven't seen any of the ones with James Franco. So this was my first introduction to any Planet of the Apes media. And about every three minutes, I would yell, what is this movie? What are we watching? 
Whereas about every three minutes, I would go, oh my god, this is my shit. There's a full 70s living room in this cage with a bowl of plastic fruit. Ah! I, it was, I, which I don't, I, I don't say that as a negative, um, but I do say that as a, oh god, I don't know. The movie was an expositional romp, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh- I just I knew they were going to be on board when the first like the first place they go is the L.A. Zoo. And I was like, no, you oh. knew you were going to be on board when the credits music started, when they were still on the beach and you lost your mind. Oh, yeah. But we'll we'll cover that when we get to it. <laughs> you mean the very first scene of the movie when we get to it? I mean, the very beginning, the beginning of the movie. <laughs> if we get it there, we'll cover it then. Oh my God. So, so Beth, you've never seen one before. Brandon, what's what's your history with Planet of the Apes? This was the first of the old ones that I had seen. I saw the Tim Burton one, and I've seen all of the new trilogy. I don't even like what 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 were those? What were the new ones called? There's like Rise and it was Dawn, Rise, and War. Right, and Dawn and Rise are, are swapped, right? Like, you would think the first one would be Dawn, but it's Rise, isn't it? I think it's the, no, I think Dawn is the first one. It's the Rise before the Dawn, and Dawn is the first one, but Rise is second. Oh, is it? It's always darkest before the Dawn, guys. Right. <laughs> and a monkey kills John Lithgow. So, Beth, having not seen any of the Planet of the Apes, what did you know about the franchise kind of going into this? I I understood I mean I understood the basic premise of the original one that he was a, an astronaut that s- crashed on a future earth and by the end of it he realizes mm-hmm. it's future earth and is sad about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's about as much as I knew. Um I do have to say that about about the time the the funky intro music that Brandon was so into kicked in I did have to stop and be like, hold on, I need to look up some basic shit on Wikipedia because I don't even understand how we got here, <laughs> let alone who these monkeys are. Am I supposed whoa, to think whoa, the monkeys, monkeys are good now? Monkeys is a who bad term. People? I was like... <laughs> whoa, yeah, man, watch out now. <laughs> I know, okay. Apes. Chimps, They're chimps. chimps. Are they yeah. chimps? I don't even fucking know. But I had to like Google it because I was like, I recognize that like the two main characters that I'm supposed to be rooting for are these two people that are, you know movie stars that I have object like objectively heard of. So obviously they're the people I'm supposed to be paying attention to, but what the fuck is happening? So I did Google and I read like a basic premise of the first two movies, just like really cursorily to figure out how we've now gotten to the premise of the okay. third one. <laughs> um, once I understood the premise of how we even got here, I was a little bit better. It was fine. I didn't really need to know the rest. The rest of it was so like separate and felt so divorced from what the first uh-huh. two movies must have been that it was fine. But I did have a little trouble with like getting getting the premise. Um, but once I got the premise, it was fine. That's great. Um, I did like that the third the third ape that was unimportant in the first two movies was just immediately killed off. And I was like, oh, what, did they just, like, throw a random third guy in there because they couldn't, with their character uh, descriptions, justify either one of the other two knowing how to use the spaceship? (laughs) Yeah, we'll just throw an expendable one in there. In my opinion, Milo was not expendable. But you also saved yourself from watching the second one by reading all this stuff. Yeah. Thank thank God for that. You saved yourself. After the movie finished, I did go and I read like the full plot synopsis. I really just did like a curse cursory like skim of Wikipedia for the first two to just kind of gather how we even ended up in 1973. I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wasn't the whole point is that they're in the future? How are these guys now back in the 70s? And so I had to get to the like explosion part to get to that. I was like, okay, I understand now. <laughs> Because I only knew the premise of the first movie. I had no context on the second movie. So in my head, I was like, he discovers it's Earth, and then now we're in 1973 again. The context of the second movie is why I couldn't connect. Right. No, I totally get that. So the the second movie is terrible, and you guys did save yourselves from that, from ever watching that. I've heard it's good. You're wrong. And whoever told you that is wrong. Who who told you that bold-faced lie? (laughs) 
you heard wrong. Uh, the comedian Dana Gould on his podcast. He's wrong, but he does do a very good Dr. Zayas, and I'll, I'll say that. That That is true, he does. Did Beth tell you any of this while you guys were watching, or, or Beth, did you kind of keep this information to yourself? Do you guys watch movies together? Yeah, we did watch this together because we both had to do it, and I just went ahead and like downloaded a 1080p <laughs> Blu-ray rip of it. You didn't, okay, um, yeah. But like, Which, I knew though, a little really quick sidebar because he downloaded it instead of us streaming it. We watched the whole thing and then the sound cut out for just the last scene of the movie. And we had to stop and go and find it on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, like right. Like literally when it cuts back to the final establishing shot of Ricardo Montalban's circus, uh, the sound, the sound just was just gone. Went. Yeah, that's terrible because you lost some Montalban there, man. I mean, we yeah, ended right? up finding it on YouTube. It was fine, but it was just like the whole movie was fine, and then the sound just stopped. Um, but she, she, she told me like, like I, I knew about you know, I knew kind of how the original Planet of the Apes ended and sort of the second thing. And she, get, she tossed me a little bit of that info while she was looking it up. But I think Beth, correct me if I'm wrong. You just assumed I sort of knew. I did assume you sort of knew. Also, you took a moment to kind of Google a little while I was googling, so I assumed that you got whatever you needed out of it. Yeah, because I think I knew that all of these subsequent films kind of stand alone a little bit. I figured they did, but yeah, I just I didn't understand how we were in 1973 Earth. That was all I didn't get. But once I got that, I was fine. In the first film, the astronauts end up accidentally going into the future. So they they left and I guess they even say it in this movie, 1971. So two years ago. So there's just an anomaly clearly outside of Earth. So when the apes left Earth in the year 3560 something, they ended up going through the same wormhole, but backwards. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how we end up here. Essentially, you guys never see like Days of Future Past or right. This is kind of like the uh, X-Men first class of of Planet of the Apes, where like they got to the second movie and they realized that they couldn't go any further. So they're just like, why don't we just set one? in the past or in this case the present and just kind of restart it the remaining films here are almost like a whole new story arc kind of starting with this one so they kind of have those first two which is a little story arc and then these three which is its own story arc does this film predate the star trek where they go back to the 70s uh, i think it's i think it's the whale one or right? the one with the whales yeah that is definitely much later because this is 1971. Okay. Yeah. Star Trek didn't start having films until after Star Wars. Undiscovered Country was 1991. 91? Whoa. Yeah, that's a long time. Yeah, they were making yeah, those. Yeah, 91. Like, okay. Um, Pretty nuts. Next Gen was on while they were still releasing Star Trek original cast movies. So that's why the movies use the Next Gen theme song. Because it was actually the movie's theme song and then they were just like oh let's just use it for our new tv show weird right oh yeah so now that we've gone to star trek uh favorite captain (laughs) Uh, that's another thing i haven't watched though my mother just started oh wait a minute guys guys it was the voyage home where they went back in time and that was 1986 in any case, yes, it was after this, 100%. Uh, Ricardo Montalban, we're, we're all kind of on the same track. Yeah, we're on the same page here. Come on! Were you expecting uh, at the beginning of the film when, when the uh, spaceship landed that it was going to be apes coming out? I knew that going in. I think I, I knew enough. I, I had read like I had read like the log line that this one was about, you know, three apes wind up. Uh, plus, once they start pulling them out of that spaceship and they still have the helmets on, you you know that's going to be the reveal. I I had no expectations one way or the other, but yeah, as soon as the masks, as soon as the helmets were dark, I was like, oh yeah, that's definitely what's coming. I was not expecting like two minutes of like sitcom reaction shots <laughs> of all of the army people and the apes going like looking to each other like, huh, what, huh? <laughs> with a real swinging soundtrack and the goofiest font i've ever that seen. had some real batman 66 vibes a lot of this movie does so much of this movie is someone delivering a one-liner of dubious quality and then everybody else just like looking at them like oh you 
like so much <laughs> of this movie. Did you guys wonder where they got the actual spacesuits from, though? Because where where did they have them? They had legit yeah, spacesuits. Yeah, they didn't suits. have those in um, the first two movies, so I'm not sure. Were they maybe just like Charlton Heston's? Like he just had some spare ones? No, yeah, like, yeah, they didn't have those in in the first two films. Yeah, very true, very true. There's a lot of wild things about the premise of this entire franchise, many of which I pointed out as we were watching. 100%. Cornelius, Zira, and Milo end up going to the San Francisco Zoo in modern-day 1972. L.A. Zoo, I'm LA sorry. Zoo. L.A. Zoo. L.A. Zoo. Yeah, you, you L.A. Zoo. Are out in the West. Which I only know because Brandon specifically asked. He said, oh, do you think they gave us this one because it takes place in L.A.? <laughs> it means like I didn't expect this movie to be taking place a place I've been. Yeah, that zoo is like 10 minutes from our house. Oh, so have you seen people in gorilla costumes in cages? I've seen the military guys there. There's lots of military guys there all the no, time. No, no. You They're have all- to go up into Griffiths to the old zoo to, to see that. Hmm. If you're not from L.A., that means nothing. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. <laughs> but there's no there is in Griffith Park, the old L.A. Zoo from before the like current L.A. Zoo that you, you the, the current one is the one you see in this film. But there is like an old zoo that's just been abandoned in the middle of Griffith Park. Have you guys ever been there? Um, I have not. Unfortunately, like it's it's not a far hike. I've just not been there. But people go all the time. And then they closed it for a little while because people were going in and they're like, oh, it's dangerous because the old cages and stuff. But it's really cool. I do some work there sometimes, but I'm under a strict government NDA, so uh, I can't say anything else. Gotcha. All right. They have talking apes there? That's what it is, isn't it? I'm not going to say no, but I can't legally say, fuck yeah, we do. I mean, there are a lot of hipsters. <laughs> what, what were your guys' opinions on the main two, Cornelius and Zero, like what, how they look and how they act and everything? Because I'm kind of curious, like, they don't look like typical chimpanzees but everyone reacts to them as if they're real chimpanzees and then there's just like clearly the worst looking gorilla Mm -hmm. ever and acts like a gorilla i wonder if that's just kind of what apes look like in that world except for i i pointed out to brandon at the very end the only real um the only real animal in the movie is Mm -hmm. the two babies um and there are two which I, because I, I noticed the two babies look different. But when you see everybody, and it's it's one of those things where like it, you're you're correct. It doesn't look normal, but because they all, everybody is um is somebody in a gorilla suit or somebody in this like it's it's suspension of disbelief because everybody mm-hmm. looks that wild, it, right up until you see the actual animal at the end next to them, and then you're like, nope, this is bad. This is bad. Well, my whole thing is obviously, okay, you have the vet, the, the vet, right? He's that the scientist that is, uh, you know, testing their, their mental capabilities. Like he's obviously seen. Yeah. I like that he's, guy. He's I like that obviously guy seen what a chimpanzee looks like and the height and the size of a chimpanzee. <laughs> and they are not that size or no, height. They're not. And also if these, if they were really like examined, then wouldn't they have known she was pregnant, especially if she was that far along? They don't gestate in three weeks. They're normal mammals. They they gestate for a similar amount of time as we. They mention in Beneath the Planet of the Apes that she is pregnant. So she's been pregnant for quite some time. But my, I'm talking about the Earth. When she announces that she's pregnant to them, they all act like that's a surprise. Didn't they? It, like The vet would have noticed that. The vet should have known, known that. And it would have been obvious. You would have been able to see. She would have chimpanzees get pregnant similar to humans. <laughs> yeah, but he had to do the uh, the block test from Royal <laughs> Tenenbaums on her first. I do have to say, um, like as a character, like like during that scene, I believe I did go like, "Fuck yeah, I love her." Oh, Zira's awesome. <laughs> Which she's just like, I do not have time for this. I do not have patience for this. I do not want a fucking banana. Like, I fucking loved her. <laughs> yeah, her, her first words being, I detest bananas, <laughs> was so good. Oh, my note literally says, Zira is so cheeky. Like, I wrote a note, I was yeah. like, Zira's so cheeky. I love her. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, love, I loved her. I was like, yeah, tell them about themselves, lady. Do it. The note I wrote for uh, that scene is that uh, the guy who plays Lewis, he looks like a touring Harold Hill. Like, he's too handsome to be a regional Harold Hill. But like he's not handsome enough to be Harold Hill on Broadway. <laughs> okay. 
It's very specific. It's a very specific joke. Also, that zookeeper kind of had an emo Phillips haircut. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. Hey, that, that zookeeper is is like a weird Paul Rubens. He really is. And they make it seem like he's going to be a character. In the first Planet of the Apes, there's a gorilla zookeeper that you think is going to be a character, and then they just do nothing with him. So kind of, it kind of hits the, the beats of that, <laughs> <laughs> but exactly does the same thing. There's nothing to that. Character. In terms of how they look, I, I think it really just does have to do with suspension mm-hmm. of disbelief and especially because all of the animals all the chimps all the gorillas all the everything we see is definitely obviously a mm-hmm. person in a costume and like no one would ever keep a gorilla in just like a normal chain link fence cage like that wouldn't hold them so i think it just has to do with like if you're buying into the premise of the movie then you don't have then you just right. can't worry about that if you if you want to get hung up on that then you're not buying into the premise of the movie and then you know what are you doing <laughs> or they could they could have swung it the other way and just had every animal in the film, ape or otherwise, uh, look like a person in a costume with clothes. So, like, if there was a yeah. dog, it should have been like that or a cat or like even some but fish of course, or bugs. The only other animals you ever see are in wide shots at the zoo. So. So we don't know that those could have been people in costumes. Like if you like you see a giraffe and it's just a couple like Cirque du Soleil dudes on their shoulders. Like, yeah, come on. It'd be awesome. And it would make the film more consistent. So eventually we kind of see like the military is kind of briefing the president, which, first of all, this is like the nicest president ever who fully. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just maybe it's just where we're living in in this climate right now. But the dude like knows the law ethical and like he's like, no, we can't do that. Like people love him. I don't think it is just the time we're living in because actually while we were watching it, I Right before you see all the news programs from around the world, and he's like, we have to show it, we have to share this news with the world. The first words out of my mouth was, the most unrealistic part of this movie so far is the idea that the United States would share this information with the world at any time, let alone at the height of the Cold War. <laughs> There's no way that they would have just been like, yeah, we must share this with the world. No, no. That's not a current climate thing. Like, they were at the height of the Cold War in the 1970s. There's no fucking way. Yeah, the Cold War doesn't seem to be existent in in this film, like, at all. No, this is like, it's it begins so lighthearted. They don't even have any guns trained on them when they come out of the thing. There's a shopping montage? Oh my god, yes, there is. No, in terms of what I was focused on was the very South Park-esque rabble-rabble in the Oval <laughs> Office. Like, every single... <laughs> Every single person in that Oval Office, other than the president, was just rubble, 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 rubble. And they're just mumbling words. <laughs> you don't really know what they're saying. Um, but the president seems to understand it. I didn't get a harump out of you. I actually, I noticed that specifically about the about the press pool. I noticed that. You're not wrong. During when, when everybody's like coming out of the hearings and all the press guys, up until somebody had an actual line, I actually did specifically notice. I was like, they are just making noises. <laughs> I was like, that is some peak crowd noises. That is peak crowd noises. And then everybody stopped right on cue for this one guy to have an actual life. Also, there was a little bit of that with the like, like the security Mm -hmm. council thing uh, where when when they're first interviewing the the apes and uh, Zira says that she's she's wedded or that he is my lawfully lawfully wedded spouse. And the like one priest on the committee just goes wedded. I have a note of that. Yeah, (laughs) That's the only word that's spoken in that scene by any of those guys. Well, except for the main bad guy whose name I watched the whole movie and still do not know his name. Otto. Which the thing, though, about him is that he was not wrong to say that he anticipated fear. The problem is like like that was the wildest thing to me about this is they were like, what do you expect? And he was like, fear. And I was like, yeah, you would expect mass hysteria. But then they turned it into this weird not at all realistic reaction similar to the u.s sharing of everybody else was chill with it except for him when in reality that guy would have been correct there would have been like mass panic oh totally but they're just so charming but like from a philosophical standpoint the whole idea of planet of the apes is that like we ruined our society and they have this quote-unquote future like utopia like a lot of planet of the apes is about the idea of utopia and the fact that they come back to this point in time and then are shown this movie shows a completely like unrealistic idealized 
much more utopic version of the U.S. and the world than did actually exist is really interesting when you think about the larger philosophical, the larger philosophical discussions of the movie itself. Because like the the world that they can, that they end up landing in and end up interacting in is incredibly accepting and incredibly chill with them, in a yeah. way that was probably it was meant to like subvert their expectations of man, but in a way they weren't wrong. <laughs> it's kind of the exact plot of uh, the man who fell to earth. Yeah, but there's a lot less coming rip torn. That is true. There is there is no rip torn in this movie. Unfortunately, in the first two Planet of the Apes, since you guys haven't seen it, the society that the apes live in is extremely flawed. They come from a society where. Yeah, I, I know it's super segregated and stuff. I just mean like in general, in a larger like academic. Right. Discussion and totally the them coming back, being the ex- treated the exact opposite way that they treated Taylor and the other humans from the first two films, I think definitely supposed to play on them. But you can also tell, though, for all the, the this fame and happiness and everything, they're not digging this. They know this this is not going to end well, regardless. So it's definitely it, it's an interesting juxtaposition of those two characters within a very happy time on Earth, or at least happy to them or happy in that world. But uh, things uh, without spoiling anything, because Joe has not seen the next two, things do start to turn very bad. Well, I mean, even the end of the movie, things turned really bad. Yeah, this does not end on a high note. What did I say to you, Andrew, uh, when they were doing all like the shopping and the montages? Well, like first we were in the courtroom and one, I want to buy that print that that guy was was drawing. Two, (laughs) (laughs) two, when they're doing all the shopping and the music is happy and they're inside their hotel room and you know, uh, Cornelius has his socks on and his robe. I'm like, man, you know, if this whole movie was just lighthearted like this, I'd be cool with it. Especially after watching the second one. I just, I would have been fine with a whole movie of like rocking <laughs> 70s tunes and just a bunch of lighthearted crap happening. <laughs> yeah, so much of this movie. Yeah, I would have been fine with it. Just like wide 70s lapels and a lot of beige. 100%. Wall to wall carpeting. Otto uh, in the bathroom. So Otto uh, is the (laughs) scientific advisor for the White House, and he explains time travel in the most spaceballs way of explaining time travel. So essentially picture within a picture within a picture. And it totally makes sense. Yeah, but yeah, it is just the most. Clearly, they just really wanted to use that visual like it is the most obtuse way to go about describing it. Yeah, for real. It is, but I thought it was well done. Oddly enough, it was well done. <laughs> because this doesn't function as a time travel movie, really. Like, they, mm-hmm. there is an element of time travel that's used mm-hmm. to set it up. But, like, much in the same way that Doctor Who was rarely about time travel, it was more just the vessel to get them there. Uh, that's kind of how this movie functioned. And so like, it was cool to have that description, but also like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how much it did to over like further what the movie was trying to do. No, exactly. I mean, that's kind of part of it is that like a lot of this movie, a lot of this movie ends up feeling like that scene. This it's similar to the thing I was talking about with the animals of that. Like if you are buying into the premise of the movie, then you are inherently operating under a certain suspension of disbelief which means that they don't have to spend so long hand-holding with the audience to explain time travel they traveled through time they're here that's it that's the premise that whole scene you could take it out of the movie and it wouldn't change anything about the movie it was just like a scene that somebody wanted to put in there there were so many scenes in this movie that's why i'm jokingly called it an expositional (laughs) romp in that there were so many scenes in this movie that just devolve into being a discussion about some a philosophical discussion about something else that doesn't add anything to the movie and in fact spends its time explaining to you premises that you've already bought into and accepted and moved on and rather than driving forward narratively they spend their time just like really mired in explaining the suspension of disbelief to you like that one, the baby Hitler, the one where we were watching in the Oval Office and all of a sudden I started yelling, where, how did we end up, how did this turn into a baby, killing baby Hitler discussion? At what point did this movie <laughs> somehow become a discussion about the baby Hitler problem? Like, how did we get here? And the fact that it's a, a 
president having this conversation, uh, you know, and we're watching this in 2020, made it doubly wild. Though I do like the fact that the president, he talks (laughs) like he's a philosopher, but he sounds like George C. Scott in Dr. Strangelove. A little bit. But that, I mean, even that discussion, so much of this movie is based on a faulty premise in in that they both Oops, can't believe, fly spaceships no that's not even it it's it's that they simultaneously believe their account of how apes rose while simultaneously saying but we have to kill this one we have to kill them and this baby or this is how it's going to happen well, Which, that's what i was saying if you too, buy into time travel if you buy into time travel theory then it actually has to happen the same way <laughs> that this is all technically already happened or else these people wouldn't be here. So like exactly. it has to happen the same way. Otherwise, like, so there, it's what, it's just weird. Cause they're like not buying into their own premise in order to just, but they're not justifying it in any way. Like if they had said like, Oh, we don't know how they, how, how the apes ended up rising like yeah then i would understand that fear and then they could drive that forward but giving such an explicit specific way that apes quote-unquote rose and then ignoring accepting that premise while also ignoring it to justify what they're doing just doesn't make sense (laughs) and isn't the story that she tells when they're talking about the first ape that said no that happens and we see that in one of the new ones right in in the Franco one, but it's not connected to to this. It's they're not connected, but they they do a really good job at taking a lot of the stuff from the original series and mixing it into the new one. Uh, I absolutely love that because I remember seeing the Franco one, and when Caesar says no, I'm like, oh man, that's the word. I'm like, they actually did it. Like, <laughs> uh, and Trico Malfoy quotes uh, uh, Charlton Heston lines throughout the entire movie too. Uh, so oh yeah you're right he does god that movie rules but i mean that also the the premise that she even gives in this one too though is also in a way really wild when you think about actual Mm -hmm. behavior like if we truly like lost all pets all, all cats and dogs to a plague first off that's ignoring the fact that there are many other kinds of pets second off Humans are inherently fucking lazy, all right? My cat, who fucking shits in a box and feeds itself, is the highest level of pet commitment I am willing to go. You think that people are going to get rid of cats and dogs, which people already are like, oh, it's such a huge responsibility, and be like, yeah, chimps are the next logical step. I can definitely take care of one of those. There's no huge amount of upkeep with that. Like, no. No, they they take care of themselves. They cook. They <laughs> cook. Yeah, they can take care of your kids and go shopping for you. It's just such a wild premise to say that a cat and a dog and a chimp are at all on the same level. Oh, of it's like it's absolutely animal. insane. Um, right before it, the evolution, I'm saying like it, it's just it is absolutely insane and <laughs> yeah, it's um, crazy. Yeah, we we will see more of that. Um, so, uh, kind of heading back though, back to this movie. Um, Oh, is that what we're talking about? <laughs> After we get over the whole explanation of 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 uh, time travel, now we have the makeover, makeover montage. Makeover, 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 makeover. Yeah, Brandon was so into this, so into the shopping montage. It was a thousand percent his shit. Cornelius in a suit is by far the greatest image I have ever seen. Cornelius in a suit rules. Cornelius in a suit. Cornelius in a suit giving Zira a double take is maybe the best image I've ever seen in my life. And like making fun of the humans a little bit. God, it's so... They think these humans are so fucking stupid. Well, I mean, they kind of are. And Dr. Haslin is a jerk and I hate him. He's the worst. Dr. Otto Haslin is the worst. (laughs) Yeah, he sucks. Yeah, I mean, they're they're pretty chill. It's a fun shopping montage, you know, peak rich people in the 70s where somebody else tries on clothes mm-hmm. for you and shows them to you. Um, that one scene, the, the moment, the, the like one line in the middle of it where the guy asks to uh, measure his inseam and there's just like a long <laughs> pause and he's like, no. 
(laughs) (laughs) great (laughs) top-notch comedy writing y'all um but i mean yeah this is yet another one of the scenes in the movie that is just like a lot of exposition and montage to cover not really any narrative thrust in the story oh yeah this is this is a leisurely at best story but it does end with brandon's favorite line in the whole movie oh oh this scene oh yeah 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 there was at the end of this at the end of the montage when uh you see after the party uh, after the party portion of the montage yeah where like it stops focusing on them and then just starts focusing on the people using that weird like <laughs> seesaw. seesaw thing. Uh, when it when it cuts away from them, the news anchor goes, and that's the way it was tonight at the Beverly Wilshire Hotel. <laughs> and I don't know why. <laughs> Which is like the most like it was it was just the most literal capper you could put on an exposition <laughs> montage. And that's the way it was. That's his that's his sign off on every single thing though and he always ends it with that hotel it's weird. And this right? is the program you've been watching on your television starring me, Perd Happily. So then we we get to the point where uh it, it's revealed to everyone else that Zira is pregnant essentially and that uh then she gets mm-hmm. drunk like immediately after. Otto is the worst. Yeah, he does kind of in a way drug her. So this is actually this is kind of part of my my nitpick on the 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 guy the animal first off that he's an animal psychiatrist or an animal psychologist so he's not actually a vet so i guess nobody did a physical exam of her because i was like look even in 1970 whatever if she was pregnant i don't think he'd be giving him as her vet would be like yeah drink this champagne but she first has the champagne at the party with lewis so i'm saying if lewis knew she was pregnant he wouldn't have done it right if lewis had known she was pregnant i doubt he would have done that so my thing is like they obviously didn't examine her because they would have known she was pregnant otto doesn't give a shit but otto also realizes that she doesn't understand what being drunk is he does Mm -hmm. drug her in a way however dude i don't care how much that you're not a drinker like sips of champagne does not get you drunk in three seconds. <laughs> I don't know. I looked at a white claw the other day and got real fucked up. Yeah, but <laughs> what flavor was it? <laughs> uh, Tex Mex. Ah, ah, got it. Yeah, that one will get you. That one will do it. It will, and it, it's it's more just because there there are like the savory little like specks in it, like that. There's like a whole pretzel just floating in there. Zero gives away pretty much the plot of uh, the first two movies um, to Otto. They then get taken for interrogation by the CIA. I think the FBI and a few others. And these guys are just truly assholes for the sake of being assholes. I hate them. I hate them all. I wrote down in a note, men suck. Well, yeah. Well, man kills man. Ape does not kill ape. Correct. Hench does not kill Hench. Yeah, Ape does not kill Ape, which is something that, that shows up throughout the series, as well as the new movies. Uh, so they give Zira truth serum, which, sure. And she reveals even more information. <laughs> right. Sodium pentothal, man. Sure. Um, do they do they not have booze in Ape times? Because you would I'm think saying. a woman... You would think that a woman that is a psychiatrist in the future would have encountered alcohol before. No, I don't think they have. Yeah, they didn't have any kind of wine or or alcohol or anything. It's just wild because, I mean, alcohol in general was first discovered because it's natural fermentation. It's something that just exists in the world. It's not like they had to, like work hard to find it if they wanted i wonder if it has any ties to their religion though because uh the orangutans that kind of like ruled everyone Mm. had a very like strict hand around what people knew and what people had that's fair but if you're not allowed to drink alcohol you still know what alcohol is to know you're not allowed to drink it I don't know. They're pretty good at hiding things. <laughs> I think that a lot of the stuff that human, yeah, that that man-made stuff was very well hidden. Uh, if you had, if you watched the first one, you'd be like, oh, <laughs> that okay. that exact. React. I mean, that's fair. I'm like I said, my main argument is that fermentation fermentation into alcohol is something that occurs naturally in nature and isn't that hard to discover. Right. No, I totally get. It. So. <laughs> So at this point, Lewis knows that he's he's got to get them out of there and he's got to save the baby. So that's when we're finally introduced to Ricardo Montalban. 
who chews up that scenery, man. Then we have the return of blonde lady scientist who just disappears for the whole movie, and I still don't know her name. I want to say it's Barbie, but that seems wrong. It's Stevie. 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 Lesser human Zira. Yeah, basically. Who's, who's, uh, whose whole character arc seems to be sunglasses. Correct. Her defining characteristic as a character is that she's blonde. And that she's willing to kiss a monkey on the mouth that she hasn't really interacted with all that much. <laughs> Very willing. I heard she actually whispered to Cornelius, hey, if this thing doesn't work out with Zira. So that interrogation, that whole interrogation scene, I think is definitely like that is the part of the movie that is actually like what they were trying to say. And it's it's the way that their their words are used against them Mm -hmm. out of context, that they're attacked, that they're, you know, drugged like that is the the main crux of what they're trying to say about the villains. But they take so long to get there and get there in such a clunky way that when it is happening, you kind of are almost like, oh, wait this is the shit like this is the shit that they're they're talking against like this is what the movie is against and then there's just again so much plot after that the movie felt a lot i think what did i say brandon it felt like a uh it felt like an aristotelian roller coaster rather than an aristotelian arc in that it was yes. like you had act one and then act three and then act two and then act four then we're back in act three again and here's some rising action but not where you think it should go they also spend more time explaining time travel than why Ricardo Montalban is here. You don't need a reason for Ricardo Montalban. Uh, he owns a zoo, and he chews the scenery, and uh, also a uh, little bit of a spoiler, but also a teaser for Joe for next time. He's in the next movie. Oh, yeah. Is he the J.W. Pepper of the original series? He is not. <laughs> Like he like they're they're back on an eight planet and then no. Montalban just rolls in. No, I think he's a much more important character on the next one. He also I, I noticed this the first time he came on screen. Have you guys ever seen uh Oh Hello? I've seen bits and pieces, yeah. There's Ricardo Montalban is wearing the exact same outfit that John Mullaney wears for the back third of Oh Hello that he describes as Pussy Safari. No, but he's right. Yeah, the outfit he's wearing is can be described as Pussy Safari. <laughs> cool. Same thing that George St. Geegland wears in the back third of Oh Hello. Gotcha. Okay. Look, all I can say about Ricardo Montalban is uh, he chews the scenery as much as possible, and he really wants Zira. He's He's got a lust for that, for that ape woman. He just wants her so bad. For sure. Which human men don't? Oh, he is. Everybody, everybody in this whole film, everybody in this whole film is so fucking hot for her. It's so weird. Well, once again, you didn't see the first one, and Heston wants to give her a kiss, too. She does give him a kiss. Yeah, exactly. So it, it very much reminded me while we were watching. Did you guys ever see Great Muppet Caper? And oh, yeah. <laughs> you know how Charles Grodin spends about half that movie explicitly trying to fuck Miss Piggy? that's very true oh my god but that would also be like if all the humans in the if that'd be like if doc hopper was also actively trying to fuck miss piggy at least charles grodin wanting to fuck miss piggy drives the plot that's true it's just a weird like side tick of every character in this movie that is true they escape cornelius accidentally kills someone not realizing that he kills someone the baby is born milo and this is all done at the zoo with Ricardo Montalban, Armando. Uh, from there, they decide that they're going to continue running. Lewis has the weirdest plan for them, where he's like, I, I, you guys should go to the old shipyard where I used to play. Weird place for him to play. Yeah, that plan is insane. Because, you know, LA is known for its abandoned shipyards. Is it? Because you guys can, can provide us with Well, that. and also, well, he was just like, we're going to have to hide out there for a week. And there's like nothing there. Yeah, his, his his plan is basically go hide out in Long Beach. First, when they were first walking into the oil fields at first, mm-hmm. and they're like looking down on the city, and she's like, oh, it's really pretty. Um, I had forgotten that he had told them to go through oil fields, so I didn't like realize that was coming. And I was sitting there just going, please be at the Hollywood sign. Please be at the Hollywood sign. Please oh, be at God, the Hollywood yeah. sign. They set that up so bad. Missed opportunity. Because it looked a lot like like what a hike up there and like looking down at the city would look like. Like it was that same kind of like hilly 
shit that is right near the Hollywood sign. So I was like begging for it because it would have been so on brand for this movie, but it's not. Instead, they ran through the oil fields, which do exist here in LA. You can see them if you take the uh, back road, well, not back roads, if you just don't take the freeway home from LAX. You do you drive through all these? These are all real. They're here. All those all those oil pumps. Um, yeah, just go, just go down La Cienega for about two hours, and you'll yeah, see. Yeah, it's it's really they are all here. So that thing they ran through does exist. One of them, one of the weird narrative plot holes. There was no reason for her to put that bag down. No, there was no, no reason there really for her to wasn't. put that bag down other than they had they wanted to like. It was something that happened just for the sake of, oh, and, and then something happens because we needed to. Like, oh, it drove me crazy. I had a weird feeling while watching that, that she did that on purpose. Because she switched out the babies right then and there. Mm. I think she wanted to get. Oh, yeah, that's fair. That's how I was kind of viewing She that. wanted to atone for her. Not even that. I think that if she knew that they got Caught. But the baby is not in right. the bag. The baby's but with her. If she knew though, well, she couldn't just leave the baby. But though. it's the other baby. But if she knew that if she left a trail and they were caught, they would think that that's their baby. So I don't know. She didn't tell corn dogs that he uh corn dog. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, Cornelius did not know. Only no, she No, she doesn't tell Cornelius. Though I do have to say she's still actually, because I did note, like I said, there are definitely two baby animals. She is carrying the one that they had designated as her own. Um, she is not carrying the other baby. Just fun fact. She's not actually oh. carrying the other baby. She's definitely carrying the animal that they designated to be her well. child. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like there's no reason for her to do that. Then they get on the ship and then she's like, oh, I have to feed him. And he's like, oh, I'll go look for someplace clean. At which I believe my exact my exact phrase was, I'm sorry, all she got to do is whip a titty out. That ain't got nothing to do with where it's clean. She could do that anywhere. <laughs> like, what the, what the fuck? What does he think breastfeeding is? <laughs> Why does he think she needs a sterile room for it? He doesn't. He doesn't know. He's just trying to help. I'm like, she's not rubbing her titty all over the ship. She might be. <laughs> if she's doing it wrong if she wanted to christen the ship too that's what she'd have to do <laughs> you smash a titty against the side of a boat yeah that, that's how you do it i mean so then otto shows up and like immediately picks the correct sh ship mm -hmm. there's like 30 ships in that shipyard <laughs> he's immediately on the correct one immediately knows where she is uh-huh the only reason they send Cornelius off to to like look for something is so he can be upstairs when otto shows up <laughs> And then even when Otto shows up and he's chasing her, he chases her in the weirdest, dumbest way possible. She, like, is down at the bottom of the stairs and he's at the top. First off, if he really wants to kill them, he could have killed her many times over in the long pause where they stare at each other. And then he doesn't chase her down the stairs. She turns around and runs away and he just keeps walking around upstairs. Well, like, I think he I think he maybe for as much as he is the bad guy. I think he didn't want to just like kill them in cold blood, you know, like I, I, I think his, uh, I don't like, I think his plan was like, Hey, yeah, give I have me to disagree with you. Oh, fair. Because if he, if he just wanted to capture them and then observe them, he wouldn't have been secretive about getting there before everybody else and trying oh. to hunt them down himself. No, he, like, he definitely wants them all dead, but I think just like, uh, there was a little bit of his conscience in that point of like, I probably shouldn't just like, shoot a mother and a child i don't think it was conscious but i think it was i don't think he wanted to do it publicly because the whole thing was that the military was mm. like don't kill them yeah we're just gonna you know make sure that they can't have kids anymore and we are gonna kill the baby but we're not gonna kill them and they even said that to him they're like you can't go and kill them like we have to you know capture them alive because they are kind of celebrities now at this point yeah, it'd be the same thing if he had to, like, chase down, like, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie to a boat. Same thing. You don't want to kill them in, in front of people. <laughs> you know they're not together anymore. Uh, uh, my, my, I, I was I was either going to say that or, or Ben Affleck and Jennifer Garner, but I couldn't remember their, like, celebrity. I don't think they're name. together anymore, either. But I could remember Brangelina. Oh, right. Yeah, they're not. He's uh, You know what? It's Ben Affleck is back together with Kevin Smith. That's what it is. None of these are none of these work he's he's getting closer he's Look, getting... We, we make all kinds of topical humor you'll hear that in the second episode <laughs> there's just like a lot of there's like a lot of tracking of like the switching of the babies and then like 
that clearly a piece of driftwood that they threw into the water. That they just and, put like, a shirt on. Yeah. And like, I'm not even clear. Is she, I, this is a part of the, the end of the movie. I'm actually very unclear on. Is she also dead? Yes. I saw them shoot him. I saw them shoot him. And then she like crawls over and lies down on top of him. But I didn't see her get she shot. She got shot in the back. She does. Yes. I yeah. auto shoots her. I guess I missed it. He shoots her in the back. She drops the baby. Yeah. And then she like crawls over, throws the clearly a prop into the water. And then, I don't, I, yeah, I don't know. Like all the, all the action tracking on the end of this was just really hard to follow. Well, and, and because the rest of the movie isn't shot like an action movie. Most of this movie isn't paced like one, but it has it for some reason wants to have an action movie climax, I think, because it feels mm-hmm. like it needs to. But like. It, it yeah, it it it's it suddenly you're in a different genre for the last few minutes there, uh, including that fucking easy writer pull out shot of them. It kind of thrust back into the Planet of the Apes, the pace of the originals, uh, which I kind of like. I do have to say we did skim over the kissing. <laughs> we did we did skip over the kissing which well we talked about it so much at the beginning of the podcast well we did the only thing we didn't bring up is that uh as everybody was kissing brandon said what the two ladies don't kiss and i said look it's 1970 it's 1973 all right they're 71 or whatever they're okay with ape rights right. but not gay we're, rights. we're getting there with uh, interspecies mm-hmm. erotica but we'll get there eventually zira even walks over to stevie and they have this moment of like eh, we're good <laughs> <laughs> but but they also they also sort of very much have the thing that like Cornelius walks over to Stevie after uh the kissing party starts and then it's just like well we might as well um and she's like that's fine but but then Z- Zira is like eh, we don't really have much of a connection <laughs> yeah i mean at least at least Stevie like drove Cornelius that's about it that's true yeah that kind of is all she does they had a very long conversation that was off camera Turn, turns out, turns out we're actually pretty similar. And like, had things been different, had I been a human, I well, I could have, I could have seen it with it working. But like, I, I, I'm already married. There's no point in going down that road. <laughs> I'll be alive for years. One thing that I kind of didn't understand from a character perspective, and here's why I kind of disagree with you, with them wanting to get caught with saying she wants to get caught, is you know she talks a lot about the importance of chimp life. Um. Like, she doesn't really value the life of of humans from her research or whatever, but she talks a lot about the value of chimp life. And, like, there was no way that was going to end where she didn't have to kill this other chimp, even though it's not an intelligent chimp. It just, it felt, especially after she has this whole thing with the other, the other chimp and the mother thing and the mother thing. Like, she knew that there was no way she wasn't going to have to kill this baby. And, like, I understand her not wanting to kill her own, but her willingness to kill the other one is just kind of, it doesn't ring true with the way that she's been portrayed as a character the rest of the time and the way she felt about motherhood. And that kind of frustrated me. Yeah, it's definitely, I think, a character at her wit's end. And I don't know. It just, it definitely, it definitely does feel different from anything else that Zira does throughout the the rest of the series. But, um, yeah, it's it's definitely brutal. Their characterization mm-hmm. of her is a little bit inconsistent. Well, and, and well, they spend like half this movie either drugging her right. or interrogating her or getting her fake drunk yeah, uh, but, or surprise but, drunk. But also in a way that, again, is kind of progressive in a way for the 70s. The movie's really she's the real main driving character in the movie. Cornelius oh, totally. doesn't yeah. really do fucking mm-hmm. anything. No, he just mugs in a suit. God, I love him. Well, that's like the same thing as the first movie as well. Zero, Zero was, you know, very much. Yeah, developed. she gets a lot of character development. Second movie, they just throw her under a bus. Oh, my God. Oh, Jesus. Uh, let's stop talking about the second movie, Joe. No, tell me. Tell me. I want to know. I want to know. Take all the time you need. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it is. It's an absolutely brutal ending, which like, I guess is kind of on brand with the movies. They all kind of have brutal endings, at least the first three. Um, but it's it's brutal in a way that I, I feel like is so much more related to the specific characterization than the plot. 
and and that and it just it and it's so weird because like I said a lot of it is very much like a kind of weird campy romp and for it to end on that like really really dark like choice that she has clearly made that that sacrificing this other and like sacrificing this other baby is okay is is really rough uh I don't know it, it it just it just does it does feel really different than the rest of her character and I understand it's made in desperation but it just it feels really different it does and I think maybe that's why she also hides it from Cornelius one of my my notes was I feel like this is going to accelerate the future that Otto was trying to prevent because you know, now their baby is there. Their baby's going to start talking like it's going to accelerate into the events of what they were talking about, other than the viral part. Um, it's going to make it so that these things happen in the next two movies. I'm probably wrong. That's that was my takeaway from it, too, is like, you know, Otto, you kind of caused that future you were trying to prevent um, to happen more immediately. Oh, yeah, that's that's the like dramatic irony between this and behind this entire series. Yeah, that's that's the whole thing they're trying to point out is that like he's basically driven them to this. I don't know. I don't know why nobody thought a baby monkey wearing a necklace was weird, but whatever. <laughs> not not it, it wasn't as weird as uh, Montalpan's jawed purse. No, but those were magnificent. Not weird. They 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 were and gave him a perfect hourglass figure. Then they die, and then uh, it pulls out, uh, and then we lost sound. And we uh, had to go find the end of the movie on YouTube. <laughs> but hey, fun fact, the end of the movie is someone learning how to do a video editing to make it look like a monkey is talking. It's so bad. Yeah, those cuts were a little strange. That Yeah. A back it, and forth. Yeah. It's literally the same frame that they're just playing over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> Which, like, they should have just done that for the whole movie with actual chimps for all the talking. I would have stopped co-hosting this podcast. <laughs> it definitely sets up the premise. It definitely sets up a sequel. Oh, yeah. Um, it definitely sets up Ricardo Montalban's circus. So a thing, I, a thing I said to Beth during the movie, I was under the impression, until we watched this, that Ricardo Montalban uh, at some point had become paralyzed like his character in Spy oh Kids 2 and 3. Uh, and I was just under the impression that Ricardo Montalban was a uh, uh, paraplegic for most of his life, which turns out could not have been farther from the truth. Not everything in Spy Kids is fact, Brandon. Yeah. Yeah. He did say that. Only most things in Spy like Kids. That's, yeah, he was just like, oh, I kind of forgot that Ricardo Montalban is not. It is true that there are right. five Sylvester It's Stallones. not like a shark boy and lava girl. And Steve Buscemi has a, his own personal island of the dark in Dark Moreau. Yes, I exactly. Spy Kids, the best documentary you never saw. <laughs> Spy Kids 2 low-key slaps, and I, I will uh, defend that movie. Uh, then we'd like to invite you to our other podcast specifically about Spy Kids. I'll only come on to talk about uh, Machete, which is technically a Spy Kids spinoff. Which is so weird, but it is. It is. That's true. Do you see that he plays Animal Crossing? Oh, Trejo does? That's awesome. My old office was equidistant between his donut shop and his taco place. How are both? Pretty good, actually. Trejo's tacos are really solid. Trejo's donuts are like a step down from like voodoo donut type thing, but still like really good. They also have donuts that are shaped like machetes with uh, strawberry blood filling. That's perfect. Oh, wow. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm into that. Yeah. All right. Well. <laughs> but enough about Machete. So with that, guys, we, we wrap up uh, the third film. Brandon and Beth, would you go back and, and watch more of these? Yeah, de I, definitely. I, I've, I've always meant to. The original Planet of the Apes especially has kind of always been on my to-watch list. And I even sort of meant to watch it before I saw the new trilogy but i just never got around to it but i definitely want to go back and watch the first one and i'm actually really curious about the second one which i know i know but there was a good segment on dana gould's podcast a few years ago that was basically just like breaking down that movie and like what its ideas and concepts were and it made it sound really fascinating and is honestly probably more interesting than the film itself probably 
I don't I don't know if I'll go farther from here though. I would definitely I mean the first movie is like a like cinematic iconic like thing. So like I've always I've never like not watched it on purpose. I just haven't seen it. So I would definitely watch the first one. Now that I've seen the third one, I would probably watch the second one just for the sake of understanding the continuity of what comes. And it also just I mean, it doesn't sound good, but it sounds Buck Wild, which is kind <laughs> of also an endorsement. Um like Something can be, like something doesn't have to be good if it's fucking wild. Like I'll still watch it. Um, I will absolutely sure. watch this one again. I'm not sure about the rest of the the sequels after this because like I don't like. I mean, obviously, I had some, I had some struggles watching this movie. And if they don't really, if it continues to just like, I would be okay. Yeah, actually, no, I would I would be willing to watch them. I think I just really would love if they knew what they were trying to say earlier than this one did (laughs) it feels almost like they wrote this one as they were going and then like figured out what they wanted to say and did no revisions and just were like shooting as they were writing right and they nailed it (laughs) yeah which is interesting it's an interesting way to go about it but uh yeah i would i would definitely i would watch the other ones i'm not sure i still don't think i would care necessarily about the new ones oh i think you'd really like the new ones actually they're really good they could not be more different. I'm glad that you guys kind of took this journey with us and that uh, that you enjoyed makeover montages. Well, I say, like for as for as much as that, there is a lot of like absurd 70s sci-fi stuff happening in this movie that like is is kind of easy to make fun of. Like I I did legitimately enjoy this movie like a nice. whole lot. There's so much like 70s sci-fi stuff in it that I like, and I thought the the ideas it brings up are interesting and it was just straight up not what i was expecting from uh this movie so it was like really refreshing to go into something not really knowing what it is and just to just be completely surprised yeah that's fair i did i did really i think that they discussed interesting things that i i think they had interesting things to say about like i said i just think they like didn't know what it was they wanted to say until like you're so far into the movie that I'm just like, come on guys, you could have, you could have been building these themes earlier. And it kind of feels like they talk about a bunch of things in succession rather than all at once. So my issue was with the movie kind of structurally, but I did enjoy watching it. Awesome. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think it was like, it was like a bad watch. Like it was a fine way to spend two hours. It was enjoyable. We were, we, we hung out, we watched it. I did yell every three minutes, what are we watching? But only in that it was like the most 70s ass thing. I, I'm i going to give this movie two humans I've kissed out of two. That's high praise. That's very high praise. It's either a pass <laughs> or a fail. I don't know. It could be one human. It could be one human out of two. So No, that's still 50%, babe. Yeah, so that's not it's pass still, or fail. No, it's still 50% still a failing grade. It's not a pass fail scale. Oh, oh my god! That's true. All right. Well, um, thank you, guys. Joe, do you have any? Do you have anything left to say? <laughs> Couple things. Uh, yeah, uh, Escape from Planet of the Apes was an hour and thirty-eight minutes, which is yeah. pretty awesome. The other one was also an hour and thirty-seven minutes, and it felt like it was three hours. Also, we forgot to introduce our other guest, Danny Trejo. Everybody, no, um, no, that's it. That's all I've got for for tonight. It's me, Machete. This definitely felt more than like ninety-seven minutes to me, but I believe you. <laughs> Awesome guys, thank you so much for being on. Maybe maybe cut out me using a Danny Trejo voice. Well, now I got to keep it. Well, now I gotta... <laughs> nope, that's staying. Ah. <laughs> uh, well, that's what I <laughs> that's what I get for kissing two humans. All right. Well, that was our interview with Brandon and Beth from I think you'd be into it. That was a pretty awesome interview, don't you say, Joe? Yeah, it was fantastic. They really had a lot of great input on the film. Yeah, I think that that was definitely a different film from the other ones. It's definitely a fun one, but you enjoyed it overall? 100% apes and suits, man. Can't, can't deny when you got an ape in a suit. You really can't. It's just the best. Apes and suits doing double takes. As always, we want to do some shout outs here. Real quick, Brandon and Beth, they actually didn't get to plug themselves at the end of the episode. We were just talking way too much. So I'm just going to do a quick plug for them. You can follow Brandon on Twitter at, at Hell Yes Brandon. That's at Hell Yes Brandon. And Beth, who is at the scores 
and then an underscore. So it's B-E-E-S-C-O-R-E-S and then an underscore. And of course, their podcast is I Think You'd Be Into It, which is available on iTunes or Apple I don't know. I'm old. Is iTunes still a thing? So they're still uh, available via podcast. And you can follow them as well on their official podcast Twitter at IntuitPod. Joe, where can people follow us? You can follow us on Twitter at PodPlanetOfApes. You can also follow us on Instagram at PodPlanetOfApes as well. You can follow me personally at MajorPlotFlaw on both Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, and you can find me on Instagram at Voices by Joe, as well as on Twitter at Voices by Joe as well. And again, as always, a huge shout out to Louis Aronowitz for our amazing theme song. Again, you can follow him on his website, louisaronowitz.com, and book him because he is awesome. All right, everybody. So next week, we will be uh, venturing into Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, or in two weeks, Conquest of Planet of the Apes. Joe, as always, do you want to take us out with our classic catchphrase? No. We're, we're just going to go with a no. <laughs> we're just going to go with a no. All right, everybody. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>